Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. Where the banter's as ferocious as the NBA players' feelings towards those referees, man. They just hate them right now. I mean, it hasn't been great. You know, Fred came out here and decided it was time to drop the mic, you know, didn't care about the fine. $30,000 is, is nothing for Freddie, but man, did he sound off on the refs. And I bet you a lot of players were real happy watching that press conference. Yo, Marcus Smart came out and he was like, I'm just going to let Fred Van Lee do the talking because I don't want the fine. Like, it's atrocious to, to think about because the NBA's had this issue for the entire time I've watched it, man. Like, it is just a consistent issue where refs like to take the game into their hands. And I understand that they're humans. I understand, you know, that they have their own emotions and their own feelings. But come on, man. Like, just swallow your pride a little bit. I didn't pay to watch this game. I didn't pay for the ticket. I didn't, you know, tune in for the excitement of a referee giving a double tech and throwing out a guy at the end of the game to decide it. Like, I want to see the players decide the plays. It's it's a process, right? And I think the biggest thing out of his comments about Fred's comments was the, you know, out of the three refs, you know, there's one guy who's who's messing it up for everybody in the night. And it's like, sometimes, you know, you have the Scott Foster side of the things where you know, there's controversy when he's messed things up. Or you just have, you know, a tough job and mistakes are made. But we're seeing way too much controversy, way too much inconsistency. And that's where the frustration is coming from, right? Because at the end of the day, a call is a call. You can't be upset when a call is made that is actually a call. But when you didn't make that call two minutes ago and now we're no longer in the lead, that's a bigger deal. Well, that's that's the biggest thing to me is the consistency, like you mentioned. And I always bring it back to baseball because baseball is the easiest way to talk about it. Right, like when an umpire has a strike zone and it's down and away to the left, that's fine. If that's a strike zone, cool. You know, as long as we all know where it is and we can yeah. all play to it. It's just when, you know, it depends on the pitcher that hits the spot. You know, Matt has broken away here. He'll be back shortly, but he loves talking about baseball. He does. At the end of the day, here we go. The return. Matt, was, have you like, have you too have, early, bro? I'm too early. That was too early. It normally happens mid episode. Like, what's yeah. going on, man? Yeah, not the end of the world. It's okay. We get through technical difficulties. Keep talking about baseball. Well, I'm just saying that you know, at the end of the day, it's just frustrating if he calls it for one player and not the other. You've got to be consistent, like you said. I don't care if it's outside the zone and you're calling it outside the zone, as long as you stay with everybody, because it's a fair, even playing field. And at the end of the day, when you know, Jakob Pearl is just trying to make a play and his arms are straight up. He's not leaning over the defender and you give that foul call after the tech call. Get well, get we'll get it. We'll get into that Denver game in a little bit for the Raptors. But yeah, the conversation right now is the fact that the consistency is ruining the product, right? It's ruining the game. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that so many NBA games can be, you know, Four quarters, but the last two minutes of every game seems to take 20 to 30 minutes of IRL time. Like, that's something that is starting to become an issue for the fans who just want to watch basketball be played at the best that it can. Yeah. Like, how long did the end of that Raptors game take? Like, 40 minutes for the last three minutes? Probably. And I was frustrated because I actually 
got to sit down and watch a beautiful game of basketball at the end of the day. But here, you know what, Matt? Let's talk, let's talk about our takes. Let's get them out of the way real quick, you know, and then we can we can get into this Raptors chat because that's what we're here to really talk about. On my Absolutely. side of the things, this guy over here, if you, if you look look beside me, you have the genius of Matt who has been seemingly getting all of his takes right and just, you know, to add icing to the cake, he gets Throwing my back. take even righter for himself but wrong for me. Popovich gets both L's. Matt, how did you pull this one out, my guy? I don't know, man. I just, you know, felt that he was going to, you know, probably give Silas, you know, the the little run around there. Like, oh, okay, you guys lose. You guys can win the first game, and then we'll lose the second game. Don't – don't, and we'll win the second game. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then just, like, pulls it out. You know, he's too smart. He he really wants Victor Wembanyama. He wants to extend his career. And I think the funniest part about it is, is that he's third last is that they can't even tank hard enough because the Rockets and the Detroit uh, Pistons, they just know how to do it better. They've been doing it longer. Man, it's like an ultimate coach win right there. Popovich is like, Silas, let me show you how it works at the end of the day. But it's kind of hilarious, this race at the bottom for Wembenyana right now. Like, how many yeah. games can you lose? We thought it was going to be Spurs versus Rocket mostly. Meanwhile, Detroit over here has 10 losses in a row. Like, People are really hyping man. up Wemby right now. And Scoot Henderson, man, he looks like an absolute unit, man. He's built like a linebacker. He's just, you know, kind of perfect for the modern NBA as a smaller 6'2 player who's who's just so explosive and so thick. Like, once you get through those two, it, it kind of drops off. But, man, the, those two top players, like, they look like surefire studs at the NBA level. It is the year to be tanking, right? And, you know, you, you talk about the winning side of things, right? You know, this 10-game losing streak for Detroit is a big deal. The Bucks are 18 of 19 now. They were 16 games going into that game. But Embiid said, no, 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 it can't happen. No, I told you it was going to happen. Embiid really wants that MVP award, I think. And he's going to do everything in his power, especially in the big games, to kind of yeah. show up. And at the end of the day... He and, and James Harden outplayed uh, Giannis, and unfortunately, you know, Chris Middleton's not really much of a second star at the moment. Um, he's been struggling lately. He's only played, like, he's only started 12 games. And yeah. True Holiday, as much as we like him, he's a nice piece. He's not, like, a an all-NBA, all-star kind of caliber piece anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too worried about the Bucks because, like you said, 18 of 19, and they got Giannis. They got the best player in the world. When he wants it, he's he's going to drop 50. So They are a team of role players, right? They're a team of great guys around him. Uh, last thing, about, i got to talk about the Bucks really quickly because uh, Bobby Portis was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. I don't know if you heard about this, but he was talking about, you know, what he wanted to do and how he ended up on the Bucks. And the story is great because basically he was like, yo, give me Giannis's phone number. Like he told his agent, give me Giannis's phone number. And then he convinced Giannis that like, I can come in and be that help. And then seven months later, they won an NBA championship. Really, really great story. Like, you know, Matt knows I'm a big Bobby fan. Your so boy. Yeah. I was, I was really <laughs> happy hearing that coming from him because basically he was like, I need to rehabilitate my image. You know, all these other teams want to offer me, you know, more money, but no, Milwaukee's the place to be in. I mean, look at look at where he is now, right? Like Bobby is a fan favorite, and he got his bag from Milwaukee after helping them. So shout out, yeah, to that and guy. he got his championship ring. He might get another one this year. He's actually a very integral part of that team. He's averaging more points than uh, Chris Middleton is this year. So yeah. 
Like, it's kind of wild. Like, him, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, like, Joe Ingles. Like, they, they got enough in terms of pieces around Giannis. And, like, it's kind of the discussion of, like, that we had last week of, like, can you do that with Luka? Does Luka need a true superstar next to him? Or should you build the roster more like Giannis, where you don't have elite players, but you have what would be considered elite role players, Yeah, right? It's the right pieces, the right fits, right? And, you know, when you have a guy like Giannis who can decide that he's going out for a 50-piece at Chick-fil-A every night in the playoffs if he wants to, right, you can afford to not get another true superstar around him. And the idea of this Bucks team winning by committee plus Giannis is really interesting to see in this era of team-ups and super teams, right? And to, to flip it to the Raptors now, we would love that situation, but we are this team of conglomerates we're this team of you know good but maybe not good enough and this one three week really showed it for us matt it it hurts inside disappointment is is the word of the day like it started off so poorly with the loss against the washington wizards like we come out so flat in what should be one of the most important games of the season if not the most important game of the season up until that point right Washington is nipping at our heels. If we can win both of these, we put some distance between us. We maybe can catch the Atlanta Hawks. We're in a good position to really, you know, maybe jump out of the play-in. But that loss just kind of set us up for the week that we had. Like, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking, like, obviously we have to take one from Washington. And, like, we did on the Saturday night. But the Denver loss and the Clipper loss was just, it was just painful, man. Like it sucks because they, they're two opposite games in a sense that like the way that we played, but the end result was the same and it leaves us middling in the standings and we're definitely in the plane at this point. Uh, It it has to be true, right? It was such a roller coaster week to start off. Oh, and 10, not against Washington, but against Kyle Kuzma. Like, yes, Kyle Kuzma been playing great this season, but a team that prides itself in defense should not let somebody put 10 straight points against you at the beginning of a game. It's just a fact of the matter. That led into the boys just being behind that entire game against the Wizards. And yes, good bounce back win against them the next time. But like we expected that, you know, a 16 point win or not a 16 point, sorry, a seven point win is good against Washington. But at the end of the day, we lost the game before, and it put us in this negative trajectory for the whole week. And then those final two games, oh my gosh, Matt. We'll start with Denver. We were talking about Denver. What a great game to watch. What a great game to watch all the way up until the last few minutes of it. You know, We talk about this Raptors squad and how they're really great at playing up to their potential and playing up against their opponents. Well, Denver was playing really well in that game, but Toronto got out to a lead and stayed in front all the way until, you know, MVP Scott Foster showed up. But tough, man. Super painful. Uh, Dude, I think, you know, like, what we were doing is we were actually executing. You know, we were were playing really hard. We were playing to the maximum capabilities that we could. You could still see, you know, a lot of the things that have made us a struggling team this year, our poor decision-making in key spots. And, you know, I think that we're quite a young team and we still make those young mistakes, but Denver 
just didn't necessarily have it that night. And we were, we couldn't pull away because, you know, Denver is the second best team in the NBA for a reason and the best team out in the West. And when it gets to that point where you just want to see it decided by the players and Scott Foster comes in like that. And I understand that, you know, Scotty theoretically accused him of cheating mid game. We can't have that in the NBA he was kind of talking to himself when the guy's 10 feet away from you. It's not like he's blatantly actually aiming it at you. Right. And I think the other reps face said it all right. He was, who's getting thrown out of this game? Like what? It's for me, it's kind of funny because like, you know, I always, I'm a tech nerd. I'm a tech kid. And so like growing up, I always said, I'm never going to be that old man who doesn't understand technology. You're not going to have these kids running around. And I'm like, I'm almost 30 now, and I already feel like that's happening. And I, I look at a guy like Scott Foster, who's probably never played a video game in his life, and I look at a guy like Scotty, who, you know, is a true gamer, and the classic, y'all cheating, bro, that's a classic gamer move after something just doesn't go your way when you're in a, in a shootout, or, you know, you're playing Mario Party and you fall off the bridge. Like, these things happen, and the frustration of Scotty was out on the court. And yes, oh, yeah. that type of offense, you know, saying cheating to a referee... I get the idea of a technical, but Scotty Barnes has never been ejected from a game before until this moment. He is a fun, like, he's a fun-loving guy. He's happy-go-lucky, and, like, regardless of if he was, you know, bantering the classic banter that he does throughout games to the refs of, like, come on, guys, you know? He's a guy who wants to be a superstar, who eventually wants to get the call, so he has to be a part of that. But in that moment, to throw him out of the game, to take a one-point game and give the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, MVP like Nikola Jokic, a chance to run away. It's examples like this where you you can't be surprised that the conversation is that refs are making games go certain ways. Like you you can't see that and not think it. You know, absolutely, man. And I think that like with the Clippers game, we didn't play well, right? Like we didn't have our A game, maybe our our C game is what it was. <laughs> but we were in that for most of it. And yeah. like we you know, we trailed for the majority of the game, but we were still there at the end. And the fact that, you know, Fred has what? You said five technicals in the six that Ben Taylor's ref. The fact that they had 31 free throw attempts to our 14. Like, those are massive, massive issues and disparity. And I don't necessarily think that, like, the Clippers are a bigger team than us or a more ball-driving team than us. You know, because we don't score from three. Like, we have to get to the paint. And so, like, I just don't understand how the disparity could be that big. And I'm hoping that, you know, the rumors are true, that they're looking in to add in, you know, more of a, a an eye in the sky, kind of like what soccer has with the VAR after that, those Freddie comments. So, yeah, hopefully that'll help, and it'll make the calls more correct at the time because these games and these calls can be so important and they can swing momentum on a, on a dime, you know, when a game is that close, right? It's, it's so easy to see single, single opportunities changing games. And yeah, to add to that comment. Yeah. The fact that Fred has five techs in the six games that Ben Taylor has reffed him. And in the 60 other games, he has three techs total. I'm not really one for controversy, but there's gotta be something there, you know? Well, it's just obviously somebody has it out for him at that point, right? Like, Ben Taylor, 
you obviously don't like the way Fred Van Vliet talks to refs, but he talks to all the refs that way. I'm sure he's consistent. I'm sure it's not specific to Ben mm-hmm. Taylor, the way he addresses it. I've seen him talk to Scott Foster in different ways, you know, and it's just, it's just really disappointing, man, that, that, that really kind of derailed our week and, and really could derail our season. Right. Yep. With the fact that we lost both those games, you know, Washington, technically only a half game back if they win we're in the 10th spot and then being in the 9 10 spot we have to win two games in order to make the playoffs that's going to be tough man it's going to be going to be a battle and i just don't see us catching atlanta and i don't see us you know bumping out of that that ninth spot at this point the the fact that the west is as close as it is together with all of these teams is really underlying the fact of how good, you know, the middling teams of the East are, right? There is that solid four at the top with Cleveland and Brooklyn kind of, you know, fighting behind it. But then everybody in the play-in below it is just scrapping in a similar way that, you know, three through ten of the West are scrapping. And it's kind of gotten forgotten about. So it's going to be a tough battle for the Raptors. They're going to have to fight and claw and battle their way through, it looks like, both controversy and basketball at the same time. So tough games ahead of us but at the end of the day they're still there they're still in a decent place and it looks like we're hopefully going to get some form of playoff basketball it's not going to be what we really wanted that's for sure though yeah and at the end of the day man i think that adding Jakob potal at the the trade deadline was definitely you know the right decision for this roster Mm -hmm. this roster needed a center this roster needed some immediate help and we needed somebody who could step in, somebody who knows our guys and can give us, you know, high quality minutes. And he's done exactly that. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. But I think that the overarching theme of our team and, and where it goes, he was not the right decision, right? And we talked about it when we got him. We didn't think that it was the best idea to to really push for the playoffs. And we were good for a little bit with him, but it seems to have kind of affected Siakam the amount that Freddie and, and he play off the pick and roll mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and Freddie. And I just think that like, you can see it over, you know, Siakam's last five games, he's top 20 points. He's gotten 20 points in two of the five, but 20 points is the max. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nothing like, you know, it's not like a 25 point game and it's on poor shooting. What do you shoot? Like nine of 24 against the Clippers. Like you can keep your 20 points. I don't want you to take 24 shots. Yeah. You know, my, my hope when it comes to the Siakam situation, right, is that those struggles for him is coming out of the position change, right? With Jakob coming in, he's not playing as much center. This is where my hope is coming from, right? Like, in reality, it's the fact that the ball is in his hands as much, that there's more going on, and that he can't just be, you know, instead of, you know, five to six times, you know, it's happening four to five times where it's a, hey, Siakam, bail us out, right? And so the opportunity is less there for him, and so I'm interested to see if he can you know, come over that hump and, and get used to being back into his more traditional position and playing less center, and maybe that'll fix things, but I'm not holding my breath. I'll say that. You know what, man? Uh, the NBA is increasingly a league where guys need to have the ball in their hand, right? Like, you think of a Trey Young, you think of a Luka Doncic, yeah. you think of a Donovan Mitchell. These guys, LaMelo Ball, they need the ball to be successful in what they're doing and in order to drive their team. And Siakam is like that. He yeah. needs to be on the ball a little bit more often than your typical, you know, elite, elite guy. Because you think of a guy like Kevin Durant, man, 
And KD, I know he had that ankle injury, but he had fit so perfectly into what the Phoenix Suns were doing. And it was like he was there, you know, from day one. Mm -hmm. This guy does not need the ball. He can go post up in the corner and you kick it to him with five seconds left on the shot clock. He's going to get you a good look. He is the the perfect plug-and-play player, and that is what you need in a superstar. You yeah. need them to be a little bit more flexible, to be able to do different things with their style. And Unfortunately, Siakam's just not that guy, and I think the fact that you know he and Masai are from the same continent and so close really clouds Masai's judgment about who Siakam is and, and mm-hmm. where he should be. I think Masai sees him as a top 10 guy, whereas he's more in the 25 to 10 range. And yeah, he can be a top 10 guy on a given night, depending on who's playing. But Mm -hmm. I would say he's more or less the 18th to 20th best player in the NBA on a regular basis. And and to add to that as well, right, the, the idea of what Siakam could be like, He's kind of been given the Giannis role for our team, but yet the players around him are not the Giannis players that are needed, right? Like, if we were going to go all in on Siakam and being that guy and needing the ball in his hands, you can't have a Fred Van Vliet. You can't have a Scotty Barnes, right? You have to have players that are specifically tooled for him. And as you've just mentioned, he's not a top 10 player in the NBA, which means that he doesn't have the versatility or the flexibility to work with all of these good players, but he also doesn't have this perfect team around him to just be the guy. So this is the struggle of kind of the in-between, right? And look, at the end of the day, you can only build those types of teams like you're talking about, like the Giannis team, with players like a Giannis, with a player like a Luka or a LeBron, like or James Harden when he was at his absolute apex. You know, like... Those are specific guys, and those are always considered like consensus top five players who yeah. are argued into the top one or two every year. You know, you can make the case for them. When James Harden was at his peak, he was inarguably a top three player in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the issue. Is Siakam isn't there, so we can't go all in on him. We can't build that roster. We need the good role players and the, and the high-level basketball players, but he just doesn't seem to work with them. And it, their ceiling is always what I thought it is, man. It's a second-round playoff first. Like, that is it. Yeah. And we should have cashed in on his All-NBA season last year. We should have traded him for a, you know, a Brinks truck. Like, we got to – figure out a way to bring in some assets to bring in the capital to to tool the roster around the young players we have our next pascal siakam and scotty barnes i know he's technically not as good yet i know he technically can't play winning basketball the same way siakam can right now mm-hmm. let him learn let him cook let og ananobi have more of the offense we've seen a player of og caliber in Mikhail Bridges, who had a small role on those Phoenix Suns teams, yep. who was asked to be a defensive stopper. And what has he done since he's been traded to Brooklyn? Man, is Kevin Durant. He's averaging 27, 6, and 7. He's unreal. Like, and giving you that great defense. So who's to say OG can't step up into that type of role if you open it up for him? And I think also OG and Scotty have a lot more chemistry than Scotty and, and Siakam or Fred and Scotty. So 
I think it's the perfect off-season moves for us to decide those guys got to go. They do. And I, I love them both, but just not in the cards. It's going to be tough. There's some serious decision-making that has to happen. And as much as you know, we like positivity, this season is going to end in disappointment. It's going to end with a loss. Like, if it doesn't end with a loss, Matt, we are seriously in another universe at, the, at this point. Right? Right. Like, like, like this is the situation. And so this offseason, there's going to be a tough conversation that's going to be had. And this is really going to be a big moment for Masai and for Bobby and for this front office because, you know, they have a good track record. But I say good that way because it's faltering, right? Kawhi is the peak of it, right? It was all building up to the Kawhi trade. And, you know, there's been one or two moments here or there, obviously, you know, the Scotty draft moment and, and a couple of trades. But at the end of the day, it has been negative, net negative since the Kawhi deal. And this summer is, is important because if you trade Fred and you trade Siakam, for example, you have to get the right value back for a retail or it is going to be a massive fall. But if you don't trade them, and we are the exact same team, fans are going to be absolutely calling for this front office by the end of next year. And it's purgatory, man. It's, it's absolute purgatory. And, you know, you say that we have a, a decent track record with Fred and Siakam, but theoretically, like, we don't, right? Like, the championship run, yes, they were both integral parts of it. But then the next year, okay, we were one of the best teams in the NBA, but the bubble hit. Siakam comes back, he's not good. Yep. He he was the reason that we lost that Boston series because he didn't let Kyle play enough. He didn't let OG play enough. He didn't yep. let Fred play enough. He wanted to be the guy, and that hindered us in that seven-game series. Then the next year, we're in Tampa, and he's not good. You know, he and Fred are not good. We had one solid year since the Kawhi trade one truly solid building year mm-hmm. and with like with all the pieces gone and, and them as the main two and again it's showing that he's not suited to be a number one option on the championship team he and Fred can't be your one and two they just can't there are way too many teams in this league that have a claim that their players are just as good right like, you look at the Knicks, and it as much as it pains me to say, and as much as I wouldn't have said at the beginning of the year, yeah. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are better versions of Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's hard to face, but it's true. Well, it's also, this is us, we're in the reality that we live in, right? Like, yes, I'm a big believer that if the pandemic doesn't happen, if the bubble doesn't happen, the story of that Raptors team after the championship year is greater than what it was. But that's not the reality we live in. And those, the pathway to get to it is still in the mental of our players, right? Pascal still, I'm sure, thinks about that playoff series, right? I'm sure that every single one of the Raptors who was on that team in Tampa, Tampa has memories of, you know, how much it sucked to play in Tampa for a whole year, right? And so we have to, you know be playing with the cards that were dealt. We have to think about what is on the table and where our team stands. And that's why it's going to be tough for Bobby and Masai because they're going to have to potentially change gears, potentially let go of a player like Siakam, let go of a player like Fred, who they have literally created their careers of and they want to hold on to because I don't know about you, Matt, but like I love my dogs, right? My, my dogs are, are who they are partially because of who I am as a person and the life that I've let them be. I never want to get rid of my dogs. Never. 
because they're they're mine. I've built them up partially to who they are, and they 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 appreciate me for who I am. This is the story that Masai and Bobby have to figure out, right? But the thing is, is like you know, Masai is the cold, calculated general, man. Like that's what we came to know him and love him for, right? Yeah. The reason that he's so well regarded around the NBA is because Demar Derozan is one of the best homegrown drafted and developed players the Raptors have ever seen in their career and he was one of the most fiercely loyal guys to this city he wanted to end his career here you know he was he was committed to the city of Toronto and Masai took all of that out and made a cold hard calculated decision not based on emotion and I feel like with Siakam he has a little bit more emotion there Mm -hmm. and he really needs to let it go, man, because it's really clouding his judgment around these players. I love them. I think they are great NBA players. They are, you know, easily two top 50 players in the NBA. You got to be able to move off them in order to get two top 10 and two top 20. You have to improve this roster because it's clearly not working. It hasn't been working all season. Yeah. And the coaching staff isn't doing anything to maximize them, man. Our offensive schemes are atrocious. It's it's not good, right? Not we good. can we could sit here and we could talk about the raps and, and the directions that we want them to go. And that's what we do as fans that love our franchise and want to see our success and you know, we don't have to make decisions, so it's easy for us to to remove that side of things and go, Yeah, get out of here, right? And we also can still enjoy those players, right? Like if, if we yeah. trade Pascal and he goes off and absolutely destroys for another team, we can enjoy that and be like, oh, good for them. Masai and Bobby are like, Ugh, it hurts them. So that's that's where the tough decisions come in. But we, we've come full circle, sure. Matt. We're back to the point of things have to change because our honeymoon phase of Jakob is over and the boys are not it, unfortunately. They're just not. Yeah. And like, we only got two games this week. We've got that rematch game against the Nuggets, which I hope we can pull out, man. And the Lakers, who surprisingly are seven and three with in their last ten games, even without LeBron, man, Crazy. AD playing on a different level right now, and they're the number one rated team defensively since those trades. Like, it's going to be a tough week. Yeah, it's zero and two, man. <laughs> That's going to basically seal our fate as uh, the bottom playing team. I would say that, yeah, if we go 0-2 this week, that's pretty much it. We're a playing team at best, right? So at best. Ho- hopefully we get some big Ws. It would be really nice to get an, a good win against Denver and to you know stop this Lakers train a little bit, but I'm, I'm holding my breath, but not fully, that's for sure. <laughs> Man, absolutely. Uh, you know who's definitely holding their breath? The Phoenix Suns fans, man. Because that Kevin Durant injury, like, I'm surprised he didn't break his ankle, bro. The way it just turned, like, um, I don't know if you remember this in the tournament a few years ago, or I guess it was like seven years ago now, eight years ago. A player from Louisville, he went up to, to take a shot, and he came down, and his ankle was turned, and he hit his bone, and his shin bone ended oh. up shooting out through his skin. Like, that's what it looked like to me. Like, obviously not as much impact because he was going out for a jump shot and Katie just pushing off of it. Oh. But I'm surprised the ankle didn't break, man. At least, like, I mean, dislocate. I don't have memories of that, but you're making me think about the Gordon Hayward injury, for example. So, like, uh, yeah. Phoenix got, like, man, 
what is it with Kevin Durant and just like all of these random little injuries here or there? Like he's an Iron Man of coming back from the serious injuries, but like little things keep coming at him. He's older now, man. Like, and you know, he does have a very slight frame. There's not a, a ton of, you know, muscle tissue and fat on there to, to kind of help insulate him. And he's getting up there. There's been a ton of miles on his body. The guy yeah. puts in a ton of extra work. It's, it's time. And, only so many players can be LeBron and can be Brady. And if, you know, the thing about exceptions to the rule is that when they're in recent memory, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, that's the new trend. That's yeah, exactly. the new No, guys, it's, there's still a rule for a reason. Father Time is still undefeated for a reason. And just because LeBron and Brady were able to beat him back a little bit, like – other that's, guys aren't them. They're not as committed, bro. Yeah, that's Apparently the thing. Like to smoke weed and, and play video games on the side, yo. Like, doesn't surprise me. Like, it, it just is. It's tough, man. Because yeah, Phoenix was on a tear there. They were coming back, and it was. I'm sure that there are so many fans that like waited to get tickets, paid so much extra money to see Kevin Durant's home opener, and then. Like, to think that, like, at least 40% of the people in that crowd probably were watching him when that injury happened and were all, like, like, it was it was crazy. Total freak accident, but things happen, right? And this this is Not the true. story of the NBA. Like, anything is possible. The guy needs to maybe work on his shoes or something. Like, maybe his shoes are the problem. His, his shoe size was too big a couple years ago to win a championship, so. Honestly, man, the only great thing that the Phoenix Suns can really hold on to and their fans can hold on to is that, like, Kevin Durant doesn't need to be worked into a team. Like I mentioned earlier, like, yeah, yeah. He, like the, he came in, he didn't miss a beat, you know? He and Devin Booker, and Devin Booker has played so much better with him in the lineup now. Like, it is, it's scary to think, and, like, the only issue about their championship aspirations is the depth and the defense on this team. But if Kevin Durant, you know, turns it back to his Golden State defensive days, there aren't many, you know, better defenders in the NBA than he is. He he's probably going to go down as like the greatest plug and play player in the NBA history. Like just in terms of how oh, good yeah. he is, like it's it's insane. It's actually insane. The only other guy that I could think might be a better plug and play player is like potentially Steph Curry if Steph Curry moves around because Steph Curry's off ball yeah. movement, like that he's going to bring that to any team, right? Like he's going to run around the court, jack up threes, and and be amazing we just only ever seen him at golden state so I mean, you get, when you, you consider get the, nice... the fact that the question is always who'd be the best teammate for lebron for Jokic, for Embiid, for Giannis? oh it's steph curry so i i get where you're coming from for sure absolutely man i would love to see a, a luka Jokic team up that would be it for the nba man that would be unreal but let's talk about what you know what's really going on here zion's hamstring is worse than anticipated uh, man. man, I just cursed the Pelicans. I cursed Zion. I feel so bad. Like, at the beginning of this pod, I called him, like, the next LeBron. He's definitely going to be that guy. And he's basically Greg Odom. It's actually unreal that this guy's career might be over. That, like, unless somebody can convince him to drop, like, 50 pounds and stay that weight, his body cannot physically hold up to the way that he plays basketball. And it is such a shame. Like, such a shame. He's such a good talent, and we're not – I like, I don't want to say it, but, like, we may never see that same Zion again. We may not even get to see Zion on the court again at this point. Bro, it is just – it's depressing, man. He is 
he's no longer on the Joel Embiid track. He's on the Greg Oden track, and it's just it's so sad because when he is out there, he's easily a top ten player. Like it's unquestionable. He's been a top ten player since he stepped in this league with his physicality, the way that he plays, the ability to get to the hoop. Just he he can't like you said sustain it. His body doesn't hold up. Yeah. And also, like, I will say I do find this slightly ironic that in, like, the draft where you and I kind of started this pod, our guys Zion and Jaw, you know, they're both going through their own thing right now. It's it's kind of crazy, you know. I don't know which one is worse at this point in time, you know, like, playing basketball, not playing basketball, waving guns around, injuries, like, it's kind of crazy for the two of them. Like, like it's, it's like, unfortunate because I'd rather be Jaw because at the end of the day, like, you just gotta like tone it down. Um, this man went from the suburbs to the streets real quick. Like I don't. He went from the suburbs to the penthouse to the streets. Like I don't get it, bro. Like you are an NBA, you know, superstar. Like why are you going around waving guns and stuff and and thinking that's cool? Like don't take the Paul Pierce, you know, IG live class. Like that is not the way to go. Man. Like think it, man. Think. Use your brain. You're a smart guy. I don't know if it's the people he has around him. He just doesn't have the right support. You know, let's also not forget that he's, what, 22, 23? Yeah, like, he's, he's still a kid, right? And, you know, I've been I've been lurking at the Grizzly subreddit recently in the last little while, trying to get a sense of the fan base a little bit. And what I learned, crazy enough, is that, you know, there's less people in that Grizzlies fan base who love Jaw as much as I thought, right? Like, this oh, is geez. a this is a track record that he has. This is, you know, a history of making some pretty poor decisions and the fan base is starting to make note of it, right? And th- this is a big this is a big moment for Jaw, right? Like obviously he's going to be away from the team for a little bit, you know. The conversation is did he have did he have a gun on the team playing because if he did, that's 50 games, man. That's 50 games of a suspension that he would have to deal with. So well, like unless he bought it there, you know. Well, like, I mean the other story is apparently like Jaw likes to fly private a lot to a lot of their away games where he's just like not with the team apparently, right? Because he, he got to fly his really? boys his whole. This is apparent. This is what I've heard in my research that I'm doing that like Jaw is not the true team leader that we all think that he is. Like he's a little bit more removed, a little bit more living that superstar lifestyle than a lot of people think. And so this is a big moment, right? Like there was that uh, I think that NFL player who tweeted out, you know, if you can't learn anything, learn from me. The guy who like shot himself in the butt in the nightclub randomly I, uh, I yeah so like you know there's a direction that jaw can take this right and hopefully there's yeah. somebody around him there's somebody who can basically get him to wake up and realize that jaw you have a multi-billion dollar life ahead of you you know billion dollar life ahead of you and it's way too easy to mess that up absolutely man it's 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 really sad to see it because he is you know one of your favorite players and he's one of my favorite players like when he is He's the, the NBA ticket of the year, you know, when you go watch him dunk on guys like that is, it's the most fun. And the Grizzlies, especially last year, like they were one of the most fun teams to watch. One of the most exciting young teams. Everybody was in love with them. And it's kind of been so fast the turnaround on how everyone's turned, but this is what happens when you carry yourself like that. Like they yeah. carry themselves like they're an eight time champion and that they, you know, been there, done that and jaws is like, I've already won my chips. I've already got my legacy. And it's, you're too young for that, man. Like, you guys have to take it back a little bit. You earn your stripes. 
at the end of the day, like they're they might be looking at a first round matchup with Golden State, and like Golden State may be able to knock them out again, right? Man, it's true, right? Like, apparently he's got to stop hanging out with Dylan Brooks too much. You know, we thought Brooks was going to be the issue of this team with his comments, but no, no, no. Like, it's it's tough for Memphis right now. And obviously, you know, there's more reports about Steven Adams too. He just got stem cell injections, so he's out for another four weeks. Not that he can stay on the court in the playoffs anyways if you have the right matchup. So yeah, Memphis, Memphis is in a tough spot. They... The reports will hopefully come out that Jaw didn't make a really poor life decision and that he's hopefully going to return back to this team and maybe turn yeah. his life around. You know, he's got a good, you know, I was mentioning it before. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great, you know, great teammate to have who seems to be going the right direction. So hopefully he hangs out with Jaron more and Dylan less. That's that's where my brain is going. Man, hopefully, because I would love to see this team actually do some damage, you know, and, and Memphis deserves it. They've never been an NBA champion they've like i don't even think have come close so they have the team to do it and they have the the players to do it like they've got to just get the right leader and unfortunately it doesn't really look like jaws it right to to think that you know they went from mike conley to john morant that kind of direction is kind of insane if jaw keeps going in the way that he's going well like in terms of talent they upgraded so severely it's just you know in terms of leadership, that's where they they lack. So, lots to follow when it comes to this Grizzlies team. But the the most important part of the fact that they've been faltering is the fact that the Sacramento Kings are now the second seed. Matt, I just I got to bring that up Bro. really quickly. I can't resist. <laughs> How did you call this? I mean, at the end of the day, like thirty nine and twenty six is like nothing too crazy to write no. home about, right? Like, yeah. what are they going to finish the year? Like forty eight and thirty what 34 like give or take yeah <laughs> like <laughs> that was us last year bro <laughs> oh man honestly it's it's the feel-good story of the west right now it's sacramento you know uh i was watching their game last night and you know the fact that apparently kevin herter is the be the beam guy like he loves getting to push that beam button at the end of the game so They've, they've got the right, you know, personalities making it happen. By Atlanta. That was such <laughs> a poor trade. I said it this offseason. I said, you know, why would you give him up? Kevin's a good player, man. Kevin Herter, he he knows what he's doing out there. He's a lethal, lethal from three. And, like, if we've learned anything, shooting threes is key in this league. Like, I'm so sad the Raptors didn't, you know, find a way to pry him from Atlanta because right. he would be a welcome player on the Raptors right now. Yeah, we could we could use him. Uh, now, when it comes to it, not much more going on this week. You know, LeBron is drunk tweeting. Matt has disappeared slightly, so I'll talk about it a little bit. But it's been it's been basketball. That's that's the way to put it at this point in time. You know, guys are playing games. LeBron is sitting at home tweeting about you know whatever he wants. Maybe having way too many glasses of wine. But it's that time of year right now. It's March. You know, we're we're getting down to the dog days. Man, and he's got to get back, okay? Like, he's walking around a walking boot. He's scooting around the, the <laughs> Staples Center. Like, it's not a pretty sight for LeBron. And, like, at the end of the day, though, I, I, I still think that they can make some noise. Like, the fact that they're the number one rated defensive team since the trade, Jared Vanderbilt has been exactly what Anthony Davis has kind of needed, right? Like, yeah. he's kind of alleviated him from having to be that focal defender. Even though, like, obviously Anthony Davis can be, if not the best defender in the NBA yeah. when he wants to be. But we we all know that he's only half committed to the game, so he can only be half committed to either winning or losing. And, and when you think about the West, right, like, 
outside of Denver, right? They're the Denver is the only competitive lock team in the playoffs, right? Sacramento, pretty much there, but we're not going to call them competitive. You look at Memphis, you look at Phoenix, question marks, but they're both probably playoff locks. Everyone else there in the West, like the Lakers could definitely hop over them. Yeah, man. I mean, Golden State's faltering with their three-game losing streak. Uh, the Clippers and Russell Westbrook don't seem to be a fit. Ty Lue, what are you doing? Play Terrence Mann, bro. Play him off the bench. I mean, I have to controvert. I have to like go against you there because I think he's been like, yeah, they've been losing. Yeah, that hasn't been going well. But Russ is a, been, is a much better fit on the Clippers than he was for the Lakers, for example. No, I definitely think he's a better fit. Like, I mentioned that last week, I believe. But at the end of the day, like, he has to have games like he did against the Raptors, right? Like, yeah. seven, two, and seven with three out of six, you know, from the field. Not these, like, 27, two, and ten games. Even though he shot pretty efficiently against Sacramento, it's just, you know, we don't need that from Russ. We need, you know, six-man Russ. We need, you know, 16, seven, and seven Russ. That would be nice. And I think he's locked into that, but also the Clippers are just cursed. I'm going to continue to say it. This team, I still don't understand. But, yeah, man, I could see the Lakers easily getting over top of Dallas over Minnesota. Like, it's it's totally possible. Absolutely, man. And, you know, the, the West is kind of wide open at this point, right? Like, what, six games, seven games separate, like, the the second seed and the 10 seed. Like, it's it's that tight out there. Um, whereas, like, in the East, you've got your locks up, up top, right? Like, the yeah. Milwaukee, Boston, and, and the 76ers are easily the class of the East. You know, Cleveland, definitely a really solid roster. New York, surprisingly good. Um, and But, you know, from Cleveland really down to Washington, that's, that's pretty much a tight race, too. Yeah, so. it's tight, but also, like, you look at Cleveland and New York and Brooklyn, and they – have been in that top six more consistently. They've been there, right? And oh, yeah. they have less question marks currently than when it comes to these playing teams over in the East. So Yeah, I, and I don't think any – oh, sorry? Well, I was just going to say, like, I don't expect much change-up when it comes to the East, right? Like, the playing teams are going to be fighting around, but, like, I don't – Absolutely. The top That's four fine. are definitely not changing. No, and, and the playing teams aren't going to be able to climb out of the play-in in the East. Like – Miami's just too mid this season. Atlanta can't pull it together. We're very much mid. And uh, Washington's Washington, bro. Like, I don't even know how they're in the playoffs, man. <laughs> they're in the playoffs because Detroit is trash. Charlotte has so many issues. Orlando is trying to tank but winning games. Indiana, Hello, baby. Tyrese Halliburton is too good for them to tank. And then we we talk about Chicago and their troubles. Like, there's a reason they're in the playoffs, Matt. It's, you know, like... Uh, pretty thin at the bottom of the East, eh? <laughs> it it a- absolutely is when it comes to it. But, Matt, that's pretty much all I got this week. Anything else on you? Nah, man. We can we can go into the hot takes and the mystic predictions. Okay, well, I'm starting spicy. I'm starting hot. I'm not even going to expand on this. Raptors 2-0 week incoming. 2-0 week. Okay, man. I'm thinking 0-2, but whatever. Um, and, uh, I'm thinking the Lakers probably make the playoffs and, uh, Golden State falls into the play-in. That's going to be my hot take. It's a little out there, but I'm pushing for it. I think that that's, that's where we're going to head. Man, it's, it's all plausible. Anything's possible. We've got a couple weeks left in this season. We got March Madness coming up next week. So, you know, it's, it's basketball time. That's for sure. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, Oh, 
Can't wait for those playoffs to start, though. Absolutely. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.